This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast. I'm Marianne Matzo. And I'm having a drink. Oh, I mean, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm Charlie Navarrete. You know, it's mm-hmm. early in the morning. No, not so early. Not early in the morning. It's, uh, it's, mad- it's, uh, it's happy hour time, actually. And it mm-hmm. is November the 7th. Yes, it is. And, and um, where were you when you heard the news? When I heard, uh, you know, clapping and elation and people yelling, yay. Actually, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was sitting, sitting quietly reading a book. And I didn't understand why all that was. And then my, uh, I started getting uh, tweets and WhatsApp notices and texts. And suddenly the word, he won. Um, I said, oh, okay, so we have now a new uh, president-elect. And, and it's funny, the, the, the second thing that came to my mind was, this is the second Catholic president um, we have elected John Kennedy, of course, being the first. Um, yeah, so there, there we are. And this is Biden's just his second wife, right? Yes, his, yeah. his, yeah, first, his wife, first wife died. And, oh, and was it their daughter? Or yes, you know, I just a, heard yeah. that. I just heard that story this morning, and I, I mean, like, I knew that that Biden had a wife and daughter that were killed in a car accident, but I never kind of heard the whole story. And so what I, what I heard was that he was only 29 years old, had just been elected mm-hmm. right. and he, it was right before Christmas and his um, wife and daughter were killed in a car accident and the two boys were hurt. And I guess he had said to president Kennedy, I'm not going to take the nomination. I'm not going to come to Washington and get sworn in. And Kennedy convinced him that, you know, it would be better for the country and better for him in terms of his healing and his grief to to come. And so um, Biden made the decision. He was sworn in, but uh, every night he went home, took the train home, and I've always heard those stories about him taking the train home. I never knew kind of the context of it. Took the train home to be able to read a story to his kids, to his boys before bed, and to be there when they got up in the morning. And that was part, apparently, of his healing, Healing, his grief, and his commitment to his family was to take care of those two boys. And um, I never heard that that full story before. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot for for someone to take on, man or woman. It it is. And then, of, of course, in moving forward... I mean, he had his own, you know, brush with death with that with that aneurysm, and mm-hmm. what was it? They took it out like at the at the last minute. They were, I, I don't I don't remember the entire story, but basically they took it out at the last minute before it exploded. And he, I mean, he said goodbye to his uh, uh, to his sons, you know, to his new wife. Just said goodbye. Didn't really expect to come out of this alive. And then, mm-hmm. of course, his son was. Uh, um, his son died. Uh, was it two years ago? Of uh, he also yes. had he had, he had was it brain cancer? He had it was also something um, something in his brain. I, I don't remember what. 
And, you know, and I, I remember seeing an interview that Biden did, like, right after that with, um, was it Stephen Colbert? I want to say it was, like, right when Stephen Colbert just started. Colbert took, okay. just started, was one of his first interviews was with Biden. And um, it was so em- empathetic and, mm. you know, like, to, to be a parent and have to bury one child yeah. is one thing. But, geez. To bury two children yeah. is like, you know, the trial of Job is like, geez, leave me alone, you yeah. know? Yeah. But you know, he he's he's kept his at least in the public face that I mm. see is that he's kept his humanity and his yeah. kindness and his gentleness. And he's and also and, not, he's, and he's also kept his faith. Never Yeah. You know. That has to be hard, right? Yeah, when you said when you said Job, it reminded me of that. He's just he's always kept his faith. Bless you. Excuse me. <laughs> Speaking of, Speaking of the faith. All right. Do you know why you say God bless you when somebody sneezes? Oh, something about keeping the evil spirits away? Was, it, was that it? My understanding is yes. that um, it was thought that you die for a second when ah, you sneeze. okay. And you come back, and it's like, God bless you so that you know. And maybe it's to keep so no evil spirits get in when you're dead for a second. I don't know. So, so what would an agnostic or an atheist uh, say if someone were to sneeze around him or her? Cover your mouth, damn it! I, I would think something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> sneeze on me. Um, you, know, you know, the old thing: don't tread on me, don't sneeze on me. Yes, exactly. don't step on my blue suede shoes. All of, all of yes, exactly. Yes. So, so, put up your feet and relax, and thank you for spending <laughs> the next hour. I love us. your segues. Very smooth. Very, very, uh-huh. yeah, very nice. Very nice. So, what are we going to talk about? As Charlie and I um, talk about our class assignment, Coco, which we've <gasps> already talked with, about. I uh, chocolate with little marshmallows on it. Mm. We already talked about yes. once huh? last week on the uh, recording that disappeared into the ethers we have no idea where it went so hopefully hopefully whatever whatever we said last week will be as interesting this week um and the second half i'm going to talk about huntington's disease and in our third half charlie's going to read a blog entry from reaching out in love so Charles, yes. we watched, we had a class assignment mm-hmm. for our group. Yes, we did. For our group, for our listeners. Mm-hmm. We asked them to do. Um, and the dog ate my Coco. assignment, so I'm, I'm sorry. The dog ate my, uh, my, the dog ate my video. Sorry, so I couldn't did they? Yes. Finish, yeah. finish the assignment. Yes. So mm-hmm. I watched Coco. I had never seen it before. Oh. And um, I really loved Coco, the, the old woman. I just yes. thought. She was just a sweet thing. And I loved um I was I really like the the concept of people um that that we we have we have a day or two days where the people who have died can come back and see us. The that we can pull out their pictures and build an ofrenda and 
make their favorite foods and light the candles and light the incense mm-hmm. and then say, oh, it's midnight. And that, and actually, I've never built a friend of before, Charlie, so I built one this year, pulled out pictures, found pictures. And, and, if, and if I may interrupt her in case uh, a couple of you folks didn't hear our episode a couple of episodes ago, basically, and during the Go ce- celebration, listen to it for God's sake. Well, yes, there's that too. Let's start with that. Listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during the holiday of the, you know, the Day of the Dead, what Marianne is speaking about, you know, uh, an ofrenda is is basically an altar. Um, right. But don't you don't have to think of it as just you know a slab of of marble. Um, if you have a, a Usually there are tiers, so maybe you have... A, it could be a slab of cheese. There you are. It could be a slab of cheese yeah. on top of each other. If you have a couple of, you know, footstools, um, and then on top of that, um, a wine crate, and then on top of that, a shoebox. I, I, I use I used mm-hmm. a Kleenex box. Did you? All right. I did. As part of my... You know, yes, the the, the level, the step thing, yeah, and yeah, and generally it has to have levels, yeah, and generally at the top, not generally, but at the top are pictures of the mm-hmm. of the of your loved ones who are deceased, and then in the middle usually there's food, you know, a little cheese, a little wine. Um, okay, that's me thinking, but usually what but whatever would, the person who's the per- died that's it. What, would what they like, yes, yeah. So if the, white castles and pizza for Charlie. And martinis. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. White castles and chocolate for me. A new definition of a, a good death. There we are. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. Just just wafe those white castles under my nose as I'm going. <sighs> and, I'll, and I'll know I'm on my way to heaven, baby. And I, I still can't believe that uh, there are no white castle restaurants. In, uh, and, and I use, I and think, I use restaurants, not in a very loose term, yeah. in uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody should start a petition with White Castle. Did I hear that White Castle, like, this is their 100th year or something? Yes. Did you tell me that? Is it really 100 years? Oh, poo. I forgot to look it up. Um, I bet you it, some of those onions on the grill are 100 years old. What do you want to bet? No, I would leave it to about a quarter of a century. I think 100 is just way too long. But that's the thing, though. Just, just that's what even gives the th- flavor. That, that's it. And though, Come on. and though they're grilled, obviously, on, on metal, yeah, that metal just somehow magically absorbs that, that great onion flavor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But we digress. So the ofrenda that I built, I can, oh, yes. I can post right. a picture if you if you guys want to see it. I thought it came out pretty good. My niece, as it so happened the week before, mm-hmm. um, my sister had died when, geez, what, 18 years ago? And um, my sister's husband has apparently not allowed her daughters or anybody to take anything out of the house. And it was a big house. And so he recently sold it. Okay. And said to the girls, okay, we got to clean this now. But he really kind of didn't, according to my niece, didn't really want to let anything go. And um, so she had kind of taken a box and put stuff that she thought that I would like. And it was really interesting that two of the things that were in the box were things that I'd given to my sister from when I'd gone to teach in Russia. And I said to Anna, how did you know that like these were things I gave to Joan? And she said, I didn't know that. She said, I just knew that they were things that, you know, my sister 
really had liked and used a lot, so she thought that I would like them. And I thought, man, that's pretty bizarre that out of the, I don't know, eight things that she put in the box, two were things that I'd given her. And including, I, I, what I find interesting is, is, is Russia, because as, you know, as, as we record this, it has been several days since uh, Sean Connery. Uh, you know, the first, and again, technically he wasn't the first, but in the movies, the first 007. And what was the name of Sean Connery's first outing as uh, James Bond, that movie? Um, let's go have martinis. No, no, it, it could have been that to Russia with love. Oh, you see the connection. You know what I saw? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know what I saw? And I never knew this and I almost shared it on Facebook, but then I thought people would think I was being creepy. Goldfinger. Did you know that? Sh- no. No. Did oh. you know that Sean Connery was a bodybuilder? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. So there's this picture of him in this like bikini-ish thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think he came in like second or third. Yeah. And he was pretty young because he was, you know, that that younger, thinner body. But let me tell you, a nice <laughs> younger, thinner body. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a crush on Sean Connery. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, a friend of mine... Um... Yes, said yes. Said, did you hear Sean Connery had died? Um, and I and I and she and she said as as you just did that you know she always had a crush on him. And I wrote back to her. I remember someone once reading somewhere that someone had said you know women always wanted uh, women always wanted to be loved by him, and men always wanted to be him. Oh, I could take it a step further. He could love me and love me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then so also, anyway. well, also with also with Goldfinger. <laughs> now that now we're we're talking about death. So uh, Mr. Connery or Sir Sean um, just died. Of course, Honor Blackman, who played Pussy Galore in the movie, died in the spring. Oh. And oh, I forgot the actress's name. Um, the actress who was painted all gold um, in the bed. I don't remember. No, 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 not her. Sorry, sorry. In the beginning of the film, um, when Shirley Bassey is, is um, singing Goldfinger, there are hands in the opening credit, all in gold. That was a mm-hmm. hand model. And she, she also had a, a bit part in the movie. And I don't remember her name. But she also died about a month ago, month and a half ago. Hi. So, back to my friend. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) So, my niece sent me this box of stuff. Yes, about Russia. So, I I (laughs) used the scarf as the base of my friend. And then I found found pictures of my sisters and um, my grandparents. And my grandma, I love this. I have this one picture of my grandma with her two daughters. One is my mom and one... Obviously, it's my aunt, but my aunt is, like, really young in bobby socks, you know, like, white anklets, so you know she's really young. And my grandma has this great smile on her face, and both of the sisters look, you know, kind of happy, and it's just this really sweet picture. So I put that up, and um, I didn't have a picture of my dad. The only picture I had of my dad was with me, like, maybe one or two sitting on his lap, and I thought, well, I'm not 
cutting myself out of that picture because I really like it. And I was too lazy to like copy it. (laughs) So I just went in. I said, Dad, I know. Sorry. Listen, you're just going to have to walk over to the ofrenda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm just too darn lazy to to do this the right way. So you're staying where you are. Um, Maybe by next year I'll... I'll be more organized. but And then I put out um, this really good raisin and apple cake that I made. And David put out like a shot of, I don't know what, for everybody to drink. And then at midnight, we lit the candle and um, we kind of hung around and chatted mm-hmm. with everybody. And then um, David had put in, up a picture of, of his wife who died a what, three years ago? And I'd said to him, I said, well, you know, if you need to just hang out and spend some time with Stacia, just just do that. And I tootled off to bed and, you know, but, but then we kept the, yeah. the candles lit for the two days. And it's nice. It was nice. I'd never done that before. Right. But I did it because of, you know, watching Coco and... I, I didn't want anybody to get stuck on the other side because we'd forgotten them. Although maybe my dad is stuck on the other side because I didn't put the picture on the ofrenda. But, you know, there's my Catholic guilt speaking. Oh, yeah. One more reason to burn in hell. Yes. I know. God knows I don't have enough. So what were your thoughts about Coco? Anything? Uh, um, Did you build an ofrenda? No. But, but, but I know how to spell it. So I, I feel that's a step in that direction. Maybe the, next year you'll build one. Yeah, I didn't. I, I knew of them. I know about the holiday, but it just never. I don't know. I, I never um, celebrated it. But yeah, maybe next year. Well, yeah. As, well, I think as, far, as the older we get mm-hmm. and the more people we love die, we have maybe more reason to want to have a conscious period of time where we're saying, I'm unpacking my grief and I'm just visiting people and addressing it as opposed to try to deal with it every other day. Does that make any sense? Well, it, it almost sounds as if you're suggesting that you can deal with it for a day and then the other 364, man, eh, it's all right. We'll do, I'll, I'll think about it again next year. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is, is that on those two days, the Day of the Dead, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, yeah. is that is, there's that, let me get the pictures and really look at them. Let me think about oh, what got they it. like got to it. eat. Yeah. Let me just sort of be very um, mindful right. that they're not here anymore. The rest of the year, you kind of deal with it, but you don't necessarily... I don't want to say wallow in it because that's not no, right. No, 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 no. That's not the but, right word. No. But you're not immersing yourself or letting yourself. Like we've had people die, but how often do you just sit and look at their picture and really think? Yeah, that's it. Right. About Have that moment. You know, stop thinking about the world going around. You know, the world around you, and that's yeah. it. Just focus. On Thirty seconds. Yeah. A minute. Yes. Maybe maybe or longer, and you get lost, you walk, lost in your thoughts. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? Or every time you go by the offend a friend, you're like, "Hey guys," you know. Like I talked to them the whole <laughs> two days they were there, you know. Yeah. But I don't keep those pictures. Like they were like right there on my sideboard. 
I went by them a lot and chatted for the whole two days. I don't normally do that. No. When I say about family, it's just, I, I can't think of the right sentence, but it was, I mean, the idea that, that family comes first and that, um, oh, gee, I forgot his name, Manuel, right? Is, is that the protagonist, the little boy? I don't remember. I don't remember either. either. <laughs> That was, that was a whole week ago, I know. Charlie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, see, for me, it, it was longer. It was like 10 days ago. So, um, yeah, so we can understand why I don't remember. Well, for now, let's just call, mm-hmm. let's just call him Manuel. Um, that through it, you know, by the end, it, 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 it was about family, but he was able to include his needs, if you will. You know, his he also has wishes. He also had, you know, dreams and which were always poo-pooed and actually frowned upon, but in the end, everything just comes together, and he's able to have his own, you know, life as well, you know, his own aspirations. And the other, about, what was the thing on the, on the, on the nightclub? Grab, uh... Oh, uh, seize the day. Seize the day, yes. Yeah. It was, it was the, that take on, um, Carpe Diem. That's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, but yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable. You know, it made its points. There was one song I don't remember the I title. I laughed. I cried. Oh, remember me? Uh, yeah, I, I'll remember yeah, you. I was, but I, but what, what was the song? <laughs> I kept walking around that whole week singing that song. Yeah. So it went for. It, yeah. So so the song was there, beginning and end. You know, toward the end, and it kind of took on like a little different meaning, which is very nice. Yeah. So uh, I give it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. I give yep. it a thumbs up. Okay. We agree. Very good. Yeah. Yes. So please go to everyonedies.org. That's every the number one dies.org. And though we didn't talk about recipes today, um, if you have recipes, or even if you don't. We didn't talk about them because uh, nobody sent me anything. So. <laughs> oh my god, no. So please So there. So please <laughs> we don't want to make Marianne cry. So please mm-hmm. send us your recipes, uh, and we'll share them with others. Also, uh, we appreciate your questions and anything else you want to tell us. You can email us at mail at everyonedies.org, and again, the number one. Please and join... it's mail, M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. <laughs> Ooh. I don't want you to think you're sending it to Charlie alone. No. Yeah, so it's mail, M-A-I-L, at every, the number one, dies, dot org. Please join our Facebook group, Everyone Dies, and please remember to rate and review this podcast. Molly, our infamously fabulous Twitter diva, is hoping you contribute to her job security by following us on our Twitter and reposting her tweets. Keep her employed. So in our second half, we're going to talk about Huntington's disease. Oh. And it's an interesting disease, mm-hmm. objectively, but a, a very difficult disease to get. Um, Huntington's it, disease is a rare inherited d- disease that causes the progressive breakdown or g- degeneration of nerve cells in the brain. 
Um, Huntington's disease has a broad impact on a person's functional abilities and usually results in movement, thinking, and psychiatric disorders. Now, back when I was starting out as a nurse, it was always called Huntington's Korea. And the Korea was that movement, sort of a snake-like movement that people would have. And back, way back, um, it was really had, uh, you know, people thought people were um, possessed because it was kind of that look like, you know, um, like Reagan in, um, what was the movie? Reagan? Reagan, you know, the... Ronald Reagan? No, Reagan, the, the kid in... Um, <laughs> that movie. <laughs> when we were in high school... The Exorcist. <laughs> the Exorcist. This isn't funny. Huntington's isn't funny. We, no. though, but, are terrible people. Yes. Yes, in The Exorcist, you know, when she would have that movement and wait, wait, that kind of but, thing. But, that, but was her name Regan or... Ray, I thought it was, it was Regan. Regan. I don't know. All right. So no, that I, was 1975. Do you know how long ago that was? It was 73. Um, Whatever. God, I hate but math. anyway, anyway, that's that kind of movement. Mm-hmm. And so it was, when I learned about it in nursing school, it was Huntington's Korea was what it was always called. But it's it's since been sort of renamed Huntington's disease because there's a lot more to it. And they have found that... Um, the Korea part, that movement part, is a very late stage symptom. And so people can have Huntington's without getting to the Korea part. But I get mm-hmm. ahead of myself. Um, symptoms will usually start between 30 and 50 years with a range of 2 to 80 years. So there is a childhood um, Huntington's disease. Yeah. Which we're not going to really go into, or not actually, we're not going to talk about it all, but just know that kids can get this. Um, the first symptoms of Huntington's disease often include difficulty concentrating, memory lapses, depression, including low mood, a lack of interest in things, and feelings of hopelessness. Now, this disease, Charlie, was first documented in the late 1800s by a New York physician. Now, this guy uh, lived in East Hampton, and his dad Uh and his dad before him were physicians in that area, taking care of the same patients. And this um, third-generation physician was going through the records that his dad and his grandfather had kept. And in looking over these logs, he began to identify physical and psychological characteristics of the disease that would later be named for him. And the reason that he was able to see them is because it's hereditary, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but it runs through families. And so he was able to see these patterns that had run through families, presented a paper about it, and eventually um, the disease was named for him. So there's, uh, there's movement disorders. Movement disorders are part of Huntington's disease. Uh, they can, c- can include both involuntary movements and problems and impairments in voluntary movements. Voluntary movements are anything that you say, I want to pick up that martini, and that's a voluntary movement. Right. Involuntary movements. If I pick up a black martini, then that's an involuntary movement instead of a gin martini. Yeah. Got it. 
Okay, right. thank you. Okay. Involuntary movements, though, are... Um, so things like involuntary jerking or writhing movements, that's the chorea, that part of it. Yeah. Muscle problems such as rigidity or muscle contractures, that's called dystonia. Slow or abnormal eye movements, impaired gait, posture, or balance, and difficulty with speaking or swallowing. Impairments in voluntary movements rather than involuntary movements may have a greater impact on the person's ability to work, perform daily activities, communicate, and remain independent. Now, the cognitive disorders, thinking disorders. Cognitive impairments um, often associated with hunting disease includes um, difficulty organizing, prioritizing, or focusing on tasks, um, lack of flexibility or the tendency to get stuck in a thought, behavior, or action. And that is called perseveration. Okay. So perseveration can be in thinking, just thinking about that one thing over and over and over again. Or you can have perseverative movements where you do the same movement over and over and over again. Oh, okay. Uh, lack of impulse con control that can result in outbursts acting without thinking, and sexual promiscuity, a lack of awareness of one's behaviors and abilities, like you don't know that you're acting like a jerk, but you're acting like a jerk, or you think that, oh, yeah, I can, I can fly, you know, without knowing that you really don't have the ability to fly. That's not a good example, but you get the gist of it. Yeah. Um, slowness in processing thoughts or finding the words uh, to say what you mean, which Charlie and I have that one for sure. Mm -hmm. And difficulty in learning new information. So psychologic, psychiatric disorders, the psychiatric parts of this disease. Um, the most common psychiatric disorder associated with Huntington's disease is depression. This isn't simply a reaction to receiving a diagnosis of Huntington's disease. Instead, um, depression appears to occur because of injury to the brain and subsequent changes in brain function. Symptoms and signs that may include in Huntington's disease are feelings of irritability, sadness or apathy, and apathy is not caring about anything. Yeah. Um, social withdrawal, insomnia is trouble sleeping, fatigue or loss of energy, or frequent thoughts of death, dying, or suicide. Other common psychiatric disorders include obsessive-compulsive disorders, a, co a condition marked by recurrent intrusive thoughts and repetitive behaviors, you know, like needing to turn the light switch on and off five know, times right. when you come in a yeah. room or something like that. Um, mania, which can cause elevated mood, overactivity, impulsive behavior, or an inflated sense of self-esteem. Or you can see bipolar disorders, a condition with alternated episodes of depression and mania. In addition to these um, disorders, people uh, weight loss is common in people with Huntington's, especially as the disease progresses. So... What causes all of this? 
It's what's called an autosomal dominant inheritance pattern. And um, I gave Sandy, our producer, sort of a picture to show that. All you need is one of your parents to have this um, defect in one single gene. So Huntington's disease mm. is caused by an inherited defect in one single gene. Jeez. Hunt- Huntington's disease is an autosomal dominant disorder, which means that a person needs only one copy to develop the disorder. So with the exception of genes of the sex chromosome, a person inherits two copies of every gene, one copy from one parent, one copy from the other parent. A parent with a defective gene can pass the defective defective copy of the gene or a healthy copy. So each family in the fam- each child in the family has a 50-50 chance of inheriting the gene that causes the disorder. So if Charlie, you and I got married and we had babies, God help everybody mm-hmm. involved in that scenario. <laughs> and <laughs> so true. So true. Yes. <laughs> and you had a copy of this gene and I didn't. So if we had four kids, each of those kids right. has a 50-50 chance of getting exactly. this disease. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that could be all four of the kids, because you're rolling the dice each time. Right. Yeah. That could be two of those kids. That could be three of those kids. It just it's a roll of the dice. Each kid has their own 50-50 chance. So can you prevent this disease? Well, first, Charlie, you and I are never getting married and having babies. Right. So that is the first way that we can prevent this from happening. People with a known family history of Huntington's disease are understandably concerned about whether they're going to pass the Huntington gene on to their children. So they might consider genetic testing and family planning options. Another option for couples is in vitro fertilization and pre-implantation mm-hmm. genetic diagnosis. So in this process, eggs are removed from the ovaries, fertilized with the father's sperm in a laboratory, and then the embryos are tested for the presence of the Huntington gene. And only those testing negative for the Huntington gene are implanted in the mother's uterus Therefore, you know, making sure that the child does not have the disease. Now, that doesn't, I don't know, I I guess I'm not going to say that it doesn't keep them from passing it on, but I guess it must keep them from passing it on because if they don't have the gene, they can't pass it on. That makes sense, yes. Okay, so how do you know if you have Huntington's? Um, adult onset is the most common type of Huntington's disease. It usually begins when people are in their 30s or 40s. Initial signs include depression, irritability, hallucinations, psychosis, minor involuntary movements, poor coordination, difficulty understanding new information, and trouble making decisions. Symptoms may occur as the disease progresses, including uncontrolled twitching movements called chorea, difficulty walking, trouble swallowing and speaking, confusion, memory loss, 
personality changes, speech changes, and decline in cognitive abilities, meaning ability to think. Right. So there is no treatment. There are there's no cure for Huntington's disease. There are drugs that are available that can treat the mental um, disease or the mental aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, like antipsychotic drugs. There are some drugs that can control the movement disorders um, associated. There are antidepressants, um, mood-stabilizing drugs, um, speech therapy, psychotherapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. These are things that just help with what you see from the disease, but it doesn't stop the disease. Got it. So after Huntington's disease starts, a person's functional abilities gradually worsen over time. The rate of disease progression and duration varies. Um, The time from disease emergent to death can be 10 to 30 years. Other numbers I saw were 15 to 20 years. So it's one of those things, it depends. Um, I hope you guys will listen to the interview that I did with Michael who um, it, we do those we do a radio show on Passionate World Talk Radio called Everyone Dies. And the interview that I did with Michael, his wife has Huntington's disease. And she was, how do I want to say, maybe 55 or so mm-hmm. when she was diagnosed. And her story, just a short version of her story, was that for years there were personality kinds of things and in her case sort of would blow up and then kind of get past it pretty quickly but was never recognized that you know she she had any issues until she had issues where her legs were kind of moving and they thought maybe that was restless leg syndrome and her hands and she was taken and tested and went through all this all this stuff until finally the doctor said, you know, the only thing I haven't tested her for was Huntington's. He said, really kind of go home and learn about Huntington's and decide if you want to be tested for this. Wait a minute. Why, why, as, why, why wouldn't someone want to be tested for it? Well, because it might not be something, you know, like any kind of genetic disorder like that. You might not want to know that news. There are people who don't want to know things, Charlie. So they went home and they kind of read about it and they said, well, you know, if it's this, this is not really very thrilling, but we want to know what the heck but, this yeah, is. Yeah, you want to so know So like you said, sure. I want to know what it is. So they went, they had, there's a specific genetic test for Huntington's. Sure enough, that's what it is. Well, in, so then you know how you have that, oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of her father. They said, geez, that explains an awful lot about dad. And what what Michael says is that he was just sort of an asshole. Excuse me, Sandy, but I'm just quoting him. Yes. And um, like he went to, I want to say one of the, no, that was the brother. Anyway, he just kind of had this personality that people just said that he was kind of, you know. And um, they said, 
I wonder if that's what dad had. And then she had a brother, I think it was an older brother, who um, had, they, the assumption was that he had gone to his daughter's wedding drunk, and it was like an early morning wedding. Mm-hmm. And then they thought, I wonder if that's not what it was. And maybe it was Huntington's because Huntington's can look like that. You have slurred speech and large movements. So they contacted the brother and said, and talked to the wife and they said, maybe you should get tested for this. Well, sure enough, the brother also had Huntington's. Oh, wow. Okay. And a second brother Uh. also tested positive for Huntington's. So, it can run in families and people not even know this is what this is. So, his interview is really interesting to listen to. And um, Charlie's going to read something from Michael's blog that will give you some insight into this too in our third half. So, the clinical depression associated with Huntington's disease may increase the risk of suicide. And some research suggests that the greater risk of suicide occurs before a diagnosis is made and in the middle stages of the disease when a person starts to lose their independence. Eventually, a person with Huntington's disease requires help with all activities of daily living. And activities of daily living are things like um, brushing your teeth, combing your hair, getting dressed, all that stuff. Late in the disease, he or she may be confined to a bed and unable to speak. Someone with Huntington's disease is generally able to understand language and has an awareness of family and friends, though some won't recognize family members. The common causes of death from Huntington's are pneumonia, which is the most common, because think about it, if you're not able to swallow kind of correctly, you can aspirate and that'll go down into your lungs and cause a pneumonia. Um, And that's, you know, true in other kinds of dementias, you know, like Alzheimer's disease, that's true too, or um, other kinds of infections. Um, Another cause of death is injuries related to falls. Um, complications related to the inability to swallow. So, you know, um, nutrition and hydration issues and suicide. So those are the most common causes of death. Um, Because Huntington's disease causes a progressive loss of function and death, it's important to anticipate care that's going to be needed in the advanced stages of the disease and near the end of life. So early discussions about this type of care enable the person with Huntington's disease to engage in these decisions and to communicate his or her preferences for care. Like, if you are not able to swallow, do you want a feeding tube? Do you want artificial food and fluids? No, So creating no. these legal... Oh, well, we weren't going to give them to you anyway, Charlie. To, uh, but, yeah, right, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So creating legal documents that define end-of-life care can be beneficial to everyone. They empower the person with the disease and they help family members avoid conflict late in the disease progression. Um. Needs, things that need to be addressed is, do you want to go to a nursing home? Do you want hospice care? 
developing a living will, developing your advanced directives so that you can identify who's going to make decisions on your behalf. So these things, just as in a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, it's a progressive disease and it's not going to stop. We don't have any way to treat these kinds of diseases. And so knowing that and acknowledging that, you can see why people maybe want to know. It's like, I'm going to pretend that none of this is going to happen. And there are people who who, who choose to do that. Um, but knowing what's going to occur allows you to make plans, um, do an advanced directive that addresses what is it that you want to have happen. Yeah, exactly. That said, there's no cure, but, you know, as we, you know, often uh, discuss, you know, prepare, <laughs> you know, what, right. what, what, what kind of death do you want? Yes. Knowledge, knowledge is power. Knowledge yep. is power. Yes, it is. And so on our webpage, um, I'm do I'm uh, giving Sandy a uh, resource list, um, some things for, for you to consider and continue to learn about Huntington's disease. And, um, it's, it's a difficult disease. It doesn't happen that often, but if that runs through your family, then it's something that you never know when you're going to have to deal with it. So in our third half, um, this week, like I said, I had the pleasure of interviewing Michael Porter for our radio show on Passionate World Talk Radio. So his wife, Janet, um, has Huntington's disease. She was diagnosed 12 years ago, and he writes a blog that you can read at reachingout.love. So it's R-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-O-U-T dot love. Charlie's going to read one entry with Michael gave us permission that was written 11 years ago, um, right after Janet's diagnosis. Charles? The first time I really began to understand what HD meant in concrete terms was shortly before we moved from Ohio to Texas and our son came for a visit. He and I were out together one day doing some shopping and I took the opportunity to explain to him some of the troubling behaviors that I had noticed were developing in his mother. So I cautiously explained all the things that I had observed being very careful to include only situations that I could easily justify to him. I was so careful because I was sure that his reaction would be, Oh no, Dad, you must be wrong, not Mom. Instead, what I got was a shrug and, Yeah, but Ma has always been like that. As we continued talking, it became clear that my college-age son had a much better insight into what was going on than I did. He explained to me that when I was away for work, she would make nice while I was home on the weekends, only to let loose again when I went back to work. It was clear that my son's memories went back a lot further than her diagnosis. Eventually, I had the opportunity to listen to webinars on the HDSA website that talked about the progression of the disease before the patient is diagnosed. One of the things that researchers had begun recognizing was that while the physical symptoms were typically what drove the patient to go see a doctor, the emotional and cognitive problems could start much earlier, often decades earlier. The most immediate result of this information was the realization that it was possible 
indeed likely that our two children had never known their mother when she was not exhibiting the effects of HD. That was shocking enough, but as a result of my recent inquiries into what I had lost, I came to suspect that the same might be true for me as well. Perhaps on our wedding day, Huntington's disease was already in the picture, already playing a role. Goodness knows, in hindsight, there were warning signs aplenty. A friend that has known Janet for years once told me, for as long as she has known Janet, there were times when she could be difficult due to her temper. Then there was the fact that Janet Janet never liked holding hands while we walked. She said that it threw her off balance. I always took that explanation to mean that she just didn't like holding hands, but now I'm wondering whether HD had already started degrading her balance just a bit. So if I circle back to my original question, what have I lost? And I discovered that the loss might not be so ambiguous after all. One of the things that I have clearly lost was a fairy tale past where everything was okay before the disease. I realize I made a lot of excuses for her over the years, such as the time when I explained to the cop living next door to us in Ohio that I had a black eye because I walked into a door in the night. He just stared at me with a look on his face that said, you have any idea how many times I have been told that crap? But all he said was, are you sure that's what happened? Looking back, it's very likely that the Janet I miss, the real Janet, that I have talked about so often, never really existed. Not at all, except in my hopes and dreams. The real Janet was a person that she would have been had she had been able to free herself from the baggage of her father's abuse. That was a battle I was prepared for and was more than willing to fight. Unfortunately, that was not the battle I got. Just as she inherited, inherited the HD gene from her dad, she also inherited the anger. However, that inheritance did not come about through the action of a DNA molecule or even a probate court. Rather, it was passed on through an endless series of assaults, such as being slapped across the face multiple times because she didn't know what page of a missile a particular prayer was on, or being verbally derided for not knowing what country produced cinnamon. And if that load wasn't enough, when the HD began to manifest itself, she got new anger of her own. Anger about a world out of control, anger about failed expectations and unfulfilled promises. Every day now, anger piles on top of anger to create an unstable emotional tower that is doomed to fail when it can no longer support its own weight. So where that exactly So where exactly does that leave me? What I've lost is a fairy tale. What I've gained is a large dose of castor oil flavored reality. The smart money would probably tell me to cut my losses and get out before it gets worse. The only problem with that advice is that I have never been particularly smart in that way. In point of fact, I still believe in such quaint and corny ideas as integrity and keeping your promises, even when the original thing left of the original relationship is the promise. Consequently, I will for now let husband fall to the side and find fulfillment in my new position as male nurse. 
So should I consider that move of the motion? No, not really. You see, my core desire has always been to give Janet what she needs. And she doesn't really need a husband right now. What she needs is a really good nurse. What'd you think of his blog? This, this is terrific. Yeah. Doesn't that kind of get the point across? Perfectly. Yeah. And I like at, at the end that he's not... Yeah, that he, he just sees his role is not so much his husband, but you know she needs someone to take care of her. You should listen to his radio, to the interview, because he talks about how he takes the role of husband and puts it in a box and puts it on the top shelf of the closet. Mm-hmm. And he is just her caregiver. So when she's abusive or whatever, he's just her caregiver. And when she says, I wish I never married you, or, you know, all these things that she says, she's not talking to to him as a husband. She's talking to him as a caregiver. And I'd asked him about, well, do you ever take that box down? And he talks about taking it down and crying. You should listen to that. I mean, it's it's a good interview. He's a very articulate man. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for future episodes of Everyone Dies. Our thanks to our executive producer, retired Major General David, our producer Sandy, John, our technical advisor, Molly, our Twitter correspondent, and our friends, family, and our loyal listeners who are supporting our work at Everyone Dies. This is Charlie Navarrete. And I'm Marianne Matzo, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Remember, every day is a gift. This podcast does not provide medical advice. Synonym. All discussion Synonym. on this podcast, Synonym. such as treatments, dosages, What's outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, Mon. messages, Mon. and Cinnamon. any other discussion are for informational purposes Mon, only not men. and are not a substitute for Cinnamon. professional Cinnamon. medical Cinnamon. advice or treatment. Always seek the uh, advice yeah. of your primary Cin- care professional or other qualified yeah, health providers like, with any questions that you may have Cinnamon. regarding your health. <laughs> Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.